You're listening to Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information, check out chrisblair.com. Hey everybody, here's another episode of Stories Behind the Songs. I'm your host, Chris Blair, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, Today, we are going to sit down with my buddy, Jet Harvey. We're going to talk about how Jet started out as a Christian artist and how he became a mumble interpreter, which led him into songwriting. How his Christian band got a label deal, but they broke up at the label signing, literally sitting at the table, signing a deal, the band broke up. But because of that, we'll talk about how that got him even more into songwriting and ultimately to Nashville. We're going to talk about how his very first scheduled co-write in Nashville, he talked about how he walked out on his girlfriend, who is now his wife, during a fight that they had on a trip to Boston, and how he told his co-writers that he talked about seeing tears rolling down her face as he walked out the door, and the full story behind the number one hit, Rock in a Hard Place, that he wrote with Heath Warren and Jacob Hackworth for Bailey Zimmerman. We're going to talk about how he introduced himself to Brett Warren of the Warren Brothers while he was soaking wet in a YMCA, and that led him to meet Ben Vaughn at Warner Chapel and get his first pub deal. Uh, I love this dude so much. He's got a great heart, great stories. Uh, Can't wait for you to hear this episode. Let's get to it. Here's my buddy, Jed Harvey. Hey guys, this is Chris Blair with another episode of Stories Behind the Songs, and I'm here on Music Row at Warner Chapel with Jet Harvey today. Jet, how you doing, brother? What's up, Chris? How are you? Good, man. Thank this you is a uh, thank you. Thanks for uh, sitting down, and we pulled you out of a uh, a right. I hope you wrote a good song as well, guys. Almost there. Almost there. Yeah. <laughs> well, man. Um, so obviously, this is uh, all about the stories behind the songs. Yeah. Um, so. You know, I want to get to uh, your uh, your latest hit that's uh, yeah. pretty exciting. But before we get there, um, just walk me through, like, how did you get to Nashville? How did you get into songwriting in the first place? Yeah. Uh, when I was uh, right out of high school, I got accepted to uh, a junior college for baseball. I got hired at Walt Disney through, like, a show choir camp thing. And then uh, I got accepted to Berkeley for, in Boston for vocals. And so I was like... Well, I'm gonna go to Disney, <laughs> so, and uh, and so that was my initial music, like beyond anything school related. Yeah. Um, and I'd never really written. And then after that, I, I grew up in a Christian home, pretty kind of strict. And they were like, you know, we're only gonna support you if you do Christian music, or whatever. So naturally, I I went into uh, Christian music. And being in a band, it's just kind of what you did. Mm-hmm. Like, I never thought of songwriting as the job. Uh, entertaining was the job, or singing was the job. Songwriting was just a part of what you did to get you to get where there. you needed to be, yeah, to yeah. the stage. So I never looked at it, like, as the career. I looked at it as, like, okay, well, this is what we got to do as a band, because no one else is going to write our songs. So where are we at? How do we feel? And, you know, you would hear your guitar player on a, a sound check or something with a riff and you're like, oh, I love that. And you just immediately just kind of start writing it. I never, it was one of those things, like I never consciously thought about, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. It was literally just no different than driving the van or setting up the merch table or sure. it was just a part of the gig. Yeah. And so that's that's how I got into it back when I was like 19 or 20. And where was this? Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up outside of Memphis, a little town outside of Memphis, Tennessee, and then moved around a little bit. My mom got remarried, and she moved us to southern Illinois. 
And the minute I graduated high school, I, I, I left and started traveling and doing everything. Yeah. I met this band in Oklahoma City, actually. I'd wound up from Florida to Oklahoma City, and that's where I met the two guys in that very first band years ago. Wow. Yeah. So how long did you do that uh, with Christian music? With Christian music, it was eight months really hard. And okay. like, and they were incredible musicians. And that's another thing. Like, I, I played drums and bass and guitar. And so melody was always a big thing to me. Mm-hmm. And they would just have these riffs. And it's like, I, honest to God, like, I would hear riffs, but I would hear words in the riff. Like, mm-hmm. I would hear words in the melody. And I was just like, whoa, it sounded like that he just played these words and and that's how I started writing like and I tell people even the day like in in writes I'm like I'm a mumble interpreter like if you mumble and it's in a melody I'll I'll hear something yeah and it's just really weird and so that's that's how we started writing and we would spend hours like we rehearsed for like five hours man yeah we just played and played and played and worked it out and worked it out but then when we went live Man, it went so fast. Bands we had tight. All, yeah, everybody so knows, tight. Yeah. And we had the all, all these little record deals and Christian music, you know. And you know, we were, we broke up at a label signing. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> and it broke my How heart. How does that? Oh happen, my god! Like, we were in Memphis, Tennessee at Ardent Records, and and we had won this band tournament. We played for five months, forty bands, five months. Yeah, and we won. And so we went on this little Christian tour. Played all these festivals, uh, and we got a deal, and we broke up at the label. We'd been there for a week and a half, and this guy named Skid Mills had produced us, and he produced like all the rock bands, like Led Zeppelin, ZZ Top. Yeah, it was a dream of mine to be back in Memphis at this label. It was just, it was perfect, man. Yeah, and so. Um, we broke up at the conference table, like. <laughs> signing and and it was over and it broke my heart and like for two years i i just hit away Dude. and then that's honest to god that's when i started writing uh like independently like okay. like a couple of my friends were getting married and like hey could you write us a wedding song and i'm like i can try like sure yeah and i sat down at the piano didn't really play the piano but i can and i sat down at it and boom i wrote a couple of wedding songs and i was like well that's that's pretty cool and uh, yeah, and then one thing led to another. I moved to Nashville in 2000 with kind of the same record that we had were making at the label, mm-hmm. and um, you know, got a job at Dillard's at the mall and was just swinging, you know. And and, and it's funny because I met um, um, who is the guy he sings? Uh, um, what is the song? Uh, and Keith Anderson. Okay, what, what are yeah. some of his songs? Yeah, Keith Anderson was like a squirt and flirt model. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now, and he he like, used so, to play Listening Room a ton back yeah, in the day. Keith yeah. Anderson, yeah. and so man, and and so I was trying to think of some of his songs. They sang "Picking Wildflowers." Yeah. That was one of them. Yeah, and and he was uh, working like selling cologne or something, and I was working in the Nautica section, and he's the one that was like, "Well, I'm a songwriter." And I'm like, what do you like? What do you mean, like for yourself? Like, what do you write? And he goes, Well, I write for everybody. I'm like, What? And uh, he was at the time like training Martina McBride or something. I was like, Oh, well, do you write? He goes, Oh no, I would never, you know, cross the lines or whatever. But so he invited me out one night to see him, and um, I think it was like Jeffrey Steele and like some other guys at, at the venue here in yeah. town, and and I was just like. Uh, this is crazy. Like, what are these guys doing? And like, 
and all these songs that I didn't hear and like they were artists were gonna sing and I started learning about that whole side of the business yeah but even still I was like eh, I think I want to do the artist route you know but yeah, that's that was my introduction into music, and then that's what eventually led me to Nashville, like in two thousand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then, when you got here in two thousand, were you still continuing to pursue the artist thing? When did you switch over to like, like so, still? So yeah, I, w- I pursued the artist thing all the way up until about last year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, just to get to it, but like. And sometimes I, you don't know when it happens, man. It still could happen. I mean, I don't like, know. Like, I don't. I like honest to God, like I don't know anything anymore. Yeah. The miracle of this song and I mean it's so unlike conventional it's just like there's nobody that's moving to town that's having meetings with people uh, at labels or BMI or ASCAP or whatever no one is gonna tell them this is the way you do it it'll be the yeah. one-off story like you know it's it's something about like just being open with your with your craft and your abilities and allowing them allowing your gifts to make room for you Mm. and not like for me this is going to sound crazy but like for me i was like just putting myself in a box being an artist which and being an artist sounds like the biggest dream in the world like i'm going to stand on a stage and be this one percenter that really sounds like the dream but Honestly, it was kind of a box because in my mind, I was like, I'm only going to do this or I'm not going to do anything. And I never thought about, you know, producing or writing or being a producer and a writer and an artist. And I knew people that were, but I was just like, man, my brain is so I was really confident in the one thing that I did well. And that's just what I just wanted people to know about me, like most of us. Right. We only want you to know the best part of us. But I didn't realize that writing, I was good at it, and and I enjoy it, and I have fun with it, and all of the new people I'm meeting in town, it's just, they're great, yeah. and I, and I would have never known them otherwise, and yeah. and I'm I'm really thankful, that, you know, as we go and talk, I'm gonna say a lot of things, but I want to be very clear, I'm very thankful, and I every morning I'm like, thank you so much for l- allowing a window to open, because I'm like, kicking down a door. And this window opens over here. It's just like, well, you can, this is what this is how we're gonna do it. And I'm just so thankful that song. You know, it. Uh, it. I sat on it for three weeks, on on deciding on because Bailey and Austin, Austin heard it on one of our Instagrams. Heath Heath Warren is one of the guys I wrote it with. Yeah, heard it on Heath's Instagram, and contacted Heath about it. And Heath was like, ah, I think that's Jet's song, <laughs> but let me see. You know, and and I had to really. Like deal with it yeah. for a minute, and then obviously, I mean Bailey's TikTok numbers and everything made sense. It was just ego. I was just like, "Gosh dang, man!" Like I thought this was gonna be, you know. And yeah. then they made that song bigger than I even thought it was gonna. I mean, I still don't really realize or understand like the gravity. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's still so fresh. And for everybody yeah, listening well, no. out there. We're talking about rock and hard place. Yeah, Bailey Zimmerman. Right. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you were sitting on it and holding it for yourself, and then like, I, well, I just you know it's just what you do. Like yeah. you go right. So like I had a social media guy, and uh, and he was like, and I was frustrated with numbers because I want him, I want everything better, and I was like, Alan, like come on, man. He goes, honestly, you're you're good, and I'm good, but we need better songs, and I was like. 
well, thank you for being honest. Like, there's the first guy that really just shot me straight on this yeah. thing. Instead of just being like, oh, well, just keep doing what you're doing. Just write more songs. That's not an answer. Right. Like, nobody can do anything with that answer because I've already written a thousand. So if a thousand's not good, how is the thousand and one going to be the kicker? You know? So he was like, so I said, well, then do you know who can help me write a better song? Because at the end of the day, it's really all I care about. Yeah. I mean, I want to be the salesman of the song. I want to be the singer of it. But ultimately, if my name's on it, I just I want it to be the very best. And so who can help me write a better song? And that's when he was like, you know, you really need to meet this guy that I know, Heath Warren. And I'm like, all right. And so I'm, I met him, had a couple of cancellations, you know, as it would go. And then um, the third the third one that we scheduled stuck. And that's when I met Jacob. Yeah. And and uh, everything changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both yeah. great writers, by the way. They I mean, are. I, I had yeah. no idea. Uh, I Heath mean, is, you know, I love I love that dude. Heath is really talented in in, and I know we might be jumping ahead of the order here, but you There's know, no we'll, we'll talk We're about just, that yeah. right. We'll talk about. You might have questions about how that right actually went. Yeah, so I do want to go into yeah. that room. So we'll yeah. save it. We'll back yeah. up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how did you get here? How did you yeah. get the publishing deal? At Warner Chapel. Yeah. So um, that when that song really started blowing and going, yeah. like really. Um, and that's another thing. Like I, I really thought about, well, now what? Like now what do you do? Like because honestly, my, it's not like my phone was ringing off the hook and it's not like I was getting DM'd by every publisher in town. Yeah. It's a pretty slow. Well, I mean pretty. It's very slow. Very slow. It's yeah. very slow. Yeah process and no one gets excited no one gets in a rush and honestly i just felt like i mean no one cares like i mean how big of a song do you have to write for anybody to care and um man and i'll I'll say this like clay bradley has been the most instrumental person in getting me from point a to point b Mm. and getting me with other writers and putting me with other people and Clay was one of the first guys, and even then, like I mean, I'll just I'll just shoot you straight on how it goes. But like, even then, I had to call my buddy at BMI who works in accounting to be like, "Yo, like, can I get a meeting with anybody? Like, what's going on? Like, how what has to happen for people to want to talk to you?" And I was just like super frustrated, man. Like, I'm a business guy. I own other businesses. Uh, I have an insurance business that I own, and like. I've ran car dealerships in Nashville, and like when it's time to make money, you go make money. You you do something. Do, you, yeah. You put it in play. Yeah. And I just didn't feel like anyone's putting anything in play, and like, and then also with just the amount of streams that this song has on the internet, and a lot of people are still not confident in how that works or how it pays out, and like on the business side of it, they're like, uh, what is it? we don't know. And, and so everybody was just kind of wanting to wait, like, well, let's just wait and see what happens. And let's just wait. Well, if it gets played on the radio, then it's got to chart. Well, if it charts, then it's got to be number one. If it makes number one, how long is it going to be number one? Yeah. Then like, you know, you're going to have a bajillion streams and get $30. And I'm like, that's not true. Yeah. Like, it's just, I'm not listening to all that. And so Clay, I had lunch with Clay and he's like, you need to meet this guy, this guy, this guy. And the difference is that Clay pulled out his phone right then and did it. 
And instead of going, I'll connect you, four weeks later, there's no email, and yep. then I got to follow up for two years. Yep. And he just pulled out his phone. I was like, boom, 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 boom. And I was like, I can work with that guy. Yep. That's where it started. Then, like, rando, like, just... I'm serious, like at the Rack Room shoe store in Cool Springs Mall. Uh, my, <laughs> wi- my wife has had foot surgery, and she had twice has been on a scooter, like one of those knee scooters. Yeah. And we're at Rack Room Shoes in the Cool Springs Mall. She's off her scooter, but like now she has like a heart for scooters, you know, for people. <laughs> and we saw this guy on a scooter. And so I'm over here looking at shoes, and I look up, and Kristen's just over there, just yapping it up with this guy on a scooter what happened tell me your story blah blah blah. and so he's the nicest guy in the world so he's just talking and it's brett warren oh my gosh yeah <laughs> and so and I, and I was like man that guy looks familiar because when i lived in los angeles when i moved to nashville in 2000 i lived here for about two years lots of things started happening again i'm like okay here we go round two i got a second shot at it and we were on the radio here on 102.9 the buzz and we're just blowing up and so i started flying out to la once a month to do rights and work with producers and well you get out there things change you know avril lavigne needs to make a record so you get pushed to the side or Mm -hmm, whatever and so they were like, man, you really need to live here. And I'm like, I don't want to live in L.A. But I did for like five years. And I was like, I'm out. I'm moving back to Nashville. Yeah. So, uh, so, But I remember when I was in Los Angeles, I always watched CMT. Yeah. Like it was funny because like I would do rock, but I loved CMT. And like You Oughta Know was on there. And I would start seeing VH1 You Oughta Know and all these. Uh, Dirk Bentley was big back. Like his, his, his one record had come out and I just loved it. Like modern day drifter, I think yeah. it was. And I was just listening to it all the time. And I was like, man, I love this sound. I love but I'm making a rock record, but I loved but one of the things is on CMT was the Warren Brothers TV show. Yeah. <laughs> like all barely famous. Yeah, when they're out like, like ten and like yeah. <laughs> Like these guys are the craziest yeah. like idiots. I've, I love these guys. I texted him oh yeah, uh, last week at your show at the listening room. He told me, yeah, <laughs> you were playing that song, yeah, and I tell you, I videoed over. part of it, and I texted yeah. him. I was like, "Come That's, on, bro, this that is what a good song." Yeah, yeah, that was the first time we wrote together. So anyway, I loved those guys then, but I couldn't tell you one song. I mean, Red Solo Cup. Obviously, I figured that out, but like, I, I had no idea that they were such a a force yeah. Yeah. and and. I just remember them being literally the funniest guys I've ever seen, and I just want to hang out with them. So when I saw her talking to him, I was like, man, that looks like Brett Warren. So I Googled it, and I was like, sure enough, that's him. Well, I didn't go talk to him that day because Rock in a Hard Place hadn't really done anything yet. And I was like, what am I going to do? Tell this guy that I have a 1987 Silver Eagle with my name and Screwball Whiskey's name on it, <laughs> and we're trying to go to do show. I mean, like, who isn't like trying to do stuff? But I did have a a bus, and I had an endorsement, and Screwball Whiskey, they're still they still endorse me. So shout out to Screwball. Yeah. Um, but it was just like I don't have anything to tell him. Like I'm just like everything. Like, what's he gonna say? Oh, great, you know, whatever. So I waited. I didn't say a word and let it go. And I was like, Lord. You can make it come back around if this is what you want. Just mm. make and so we're at the Y in Franklin. <laughs> we live in Franklin. We're at the Y on at the end of Rolling Oaks and Mac Hatcher or whatever. And I'm working out with Kristen one morning, and I look over and Brett Warren <laughs> again is right beside me. So I'm I'm like. Okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna say something. So I tried to break the ice, and I was like, "Hey, man, you need a help. You need a spot or something." He goes, "Nah, dude, I got it. Thanks." And he kind of blew me off. So I was like, "Ah, oh, 
well, I don't have a comeback on that. Like, I don't, I don't know how to get back into this conversation, you know? Yeah. By this time, Rock and Hard Place is really scooting. Like, it's, it's really, it's launched and it's really rolling. And so I didn't say anything the rest of the day. We got in the truck and my wife was like, did you talk to Brett? And I'm like, I mean, I tried, but like, she goes, so you, so he doesn't know who you are. He doesn't know what song you wrote. And I'm like, he doesn't. She goes, and and we're driving in circles around the parking lot because <laughs> I'm just not wanting to leave the parking lot because I know what I need to do. And we're just, we'd made three laps. And she goes, I swear to God, if you don't get out of this truck right now, go talk to him. I will, because he knows me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. he does know you. And so I, so I stopped the truck and the sun is out. Stop the truck. Sun's out. It's a nice, warm, beautiful day. I open the door. I step out of the truck. Pours rain. Like somebody just dumped a bucket right oh on me. Oh, my God. My clothes are soaking wet. And I'm like, well, great. Now he's going to know that I was outside and came back in like a total idiot. And so I walked in the thing, and I said, hey, dude, I, I need to introduce myself to you. Like, I don't know. I don't want to, like, be weird or nothing, but... My wife said she was going to come in here if I did. And he started laughing. And I was like, man, I just, I want you to know I'm a songwriter. I briefly met, you met my wife at Rack Room. We, we laughed about it. He goes, oh yeah, what song did you write? And I said, I wrote this song called Rock in a Hard Place. And he hit me on my shoulder. He's like, we were just listening to that song this morning. It's my wife's favorite song. And um, he goes, the minute I heard that song, I knew that nobody in Nashville wrote that song. And then he hit me again. He goes, and that was my favorite part. And he was just so cool about everything. Yeah. And he was like, I think it's fantastic what you're doing. I think it's cool that it's taken off the way it is. It's totally unorthodox. He was, out of everything that everyone else has told me about all the rules, yeah. he was the first one that was like, I think it's awesome. You want to meet it, whatever, and get a smoothie or whatever. And I was like, Sure. And so I went out to the truck and he's like, here, take my number. So I get, we exchanged numbers and, you know, three days later I met him at this smoothie place and, and my, you know, Kristen was like, see, told you. And I'm like, well, just, you know, you just, you've been knocking on doors yeah. for so long and you're trying to meet with everybody. And, and honestly, the biggest, the most resistance that I had in talking to him was just because I didn't want to hear one more person who had made it tell me how hard it is mm. how you don't make any money and like blah 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 and i was like dude it is hard but you made it there is money because you made it you there's opportunities because you have them i all i want is this, a chance you know yeah and that's one of the things i talked to brett about and i was like you know he's like well, what do you want and i showed him my bus and i was like man i got this thing i got it i got the band i got all the i got everything you need Except, you know, I gave my best song away to it, which was a great decision to make. Yeah. And I don't regret it at all. But I was like, you know, I just don't really know what my next steps are. And he goes, let me talk to my brother. And I was like, okay. And he talked to a couple other people. And, and this whole time, while this is happening, Clay has hooked me up with like Eclipse music and then um, Major Bob. And so I'm writing with other yeah. pub companies and they call it courting, you know, yep. where you kind of go write and they see how you fit with their people and whatever. And so I'm doing that and it, it's all cool. It's all positive. Like it's all good. And then um, the Warren brothers got with Ben Vaughn here at Warner Chapel and they were just like, yeah, you know, we love this dude. We want you to meet him. 
and I had read up on Ben, and one of the things I read about Ben, because Ben's like a fan of music, and that's another thing. I was meeting a lot of guys and ladies in the industry that like, I, I swear to God, I met this one vice president of a record label that didn't even have a radio in his office, and I'm like, well, how, how are we going to listen to music? Like, how? Well, I'll just listen to it in my car later, and I'm like, man... You're not excited about this. Like I'm, like I'm here. Like I want to go. Like what are we doing? And I, and one thing I loved that I read about Ben Vaughn. And normally I don't read up on people. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want to be distracted by their greatness or mm-hmm. intimidated by it. Sure, I just want to, yeah. I just want to, you know, I want to get to know them right now and just like be in the moment with them. And and what one thing I read about Ben Vaughn that I loved is when he was like on a lower level and he was running around just like literally peddling songs, he would like, I remember this article talking about how he would had a cassette tape and he was looking for Garth's truck all over town. And he put the cassette tape like in his windshield wiper blade. Like that's how they used to pitch song, like just hungry. And I'm like, man, he's a fan. He's, he's not afraid to find a truck and put a cassette tape on a windshield wiper. Like I like that dude. And then I met him and we literally just talked for two hours in his, in the meeting. He didn't listen to one song. He asked me about myself. We laughed cause the Warren brothers were there too. And so we're like three brothers. I feel yeah. I'm like their third adopted brother or something, but like we, we just laughed the whole time. Ben's laughing. I'm, and then boom, he was like, so, you know, this is kind of like our offer. And I was like, well, I don't want any money. I don't want to take any uh, advance or nothing like that. I just, he goes, well, if you don't want money, what do you want? And I said, I want opportunity. I've always just wanted an opportunity. And, and like for the first time in my life, and I'm, I hope I don't cry, but like for the first time in my life, I felt like finally someone got me and wanted to get behind me mm-hmm. and make a way for me. And like, man, I, I've never felt like that, you know, even like, uh, with parents and stuff like you know, my dad he's been gone since 2000. He left the family when I was four. My mom was just trying to hold it together and figure it out, and, and here I come with like tattoos and hair and earrings, and she's like, "What is going on?" Like I don't really, you know. And for the first time in my life, I just was setting. I was just like, I got in my truck and I was just like, finally somebody is willing yeah. to take a chance, you know. And and I'm telling you, man, like, and that just happened. I saw my pub deal uh, a week before Christmas uh, last year, and it was just like, I I mean, I didn't even care about, the biggest deal to me was just that three men in a room believed in me and were willing to take a chance, and like, I mean, it just, just like, I still get super emotional about it. I can see that. yeah, Yeah, it's like... And I'll cry. It's like, and I will cry. So I have to be careful. But, but I just to have, like, I'm not alone anymore. And I've been alone my whole life, pushing for this, or not even for this. I was going trying to go in a different direction. But, and just, um, I don't. I'm so thankful, man. Like, I'm so thankful. I got to see them today. They were down in room one, and I was in room seven and well, Brad and Brad, uh, Brad were. Yeah, yeah Brad and Brett were and I hogged them and that's awesome. and they were so proud they're like my brothers but like my they're like hey Chris sent us that video man it was awesome we're so proud of you and like they weren't even there they didn't have yeah. anything to do with it it was like my, my own thing that I worked yeah. out with Zach and it was just awesome man yeah. I was just so so thankful and I hope that answered your question yeah man yeah I love <laughs> it, it. 
This episode is brought to you by Sennheiser Microphones. When we first started this podcast, we were using some older microphones and Sennheiser came in and sponsored us and gave us some MK4s and 914s. And I mean, I'm telling you, it's made all of the difference in the world. We love these microphones. We use them at the listening room as well. And I just can't say enough great things about them. Go check out Sennheiser.com. If you are into music in any way, their microphones are hands down the best on the planet. Go check them out, Sennheiser.com. And thank you, Sennheiser, for the support and the sponsorship. We love y'all. Well, let's uh, let's transition and jump to Rock and Hard Place. Let's yeah. dive into yeah. how that uh, how that right happened. Yeah. Take me into that room. So let me, I need to back up out of the room first so the room makes sense because yeah. the room is actually very short. Got it. Uh, it was magic. But right before the room, I, I, I brought up Kristen. Uh, she's my wife. But at the time, we were dating. And uh, we honestly, we we met. I was slow to move because I, I was just in the middle of something and, and at the end of a divorce, honestly. And I just wasn't ready to move forward on anything. And I didn't know her. I just, I just wasn't ready yet. And so we met, I was like, look, I'm way older than you think. I got three kids and just divorced. Like, I'm not what you're looking for here. You need to move on. And she was like, you're exactly what I'm looking for. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. And (laughs) I was like, then I don't know if I want you. (laughs) Then I don't know if you're what I'm looking for. But it's like, that was the first miracle. Also one of the first people in my whole life that saw me, I was very honest and ugly and transparent, and she was like, love it. And my first line of acceptance, you know what I'm saying? And and I was like, huh. So what I was willing to do was text. I would text, we would DM, whatever. We visited, Six fast forward, six months later, we finally start dating. A few months later, so now we're about a year in, we're, we're, we're dating officially. And, and I'm like, man, this is, she's literally like my best friend. Mm. And she was like, hey, I, I, she's from Boston. She was like, hey, do you want to go to Boston with us and meet the family and stuff like that? I was like, oh, buddy. And so and she's like, we'll go to a Red Sox game. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to a Red Sox game. It was awesome. And so we had a huge fight in Boston. And I, I can't even tell you what it's about and she can't either in fact i have a selfie still on my phone where we're in the uber and we're like ah we're smiling and like from the car to the receptionist stand i'm lit like and i don't know what happened but i got fired up about something and and we went and sat down and we ordered the wine she drinks white wine i drink red and they brought us some like calamari or something and um the line in the song uh Red wine and mistakes, tears rolling down your face as I walked out the door. That's exactly what happened. Mm. We They set the wine down, got the calamari. I didn't even take a sip. I just was like, I'm out. I just stood up and left, and I walked out the door. And I remember I'm paying the waitress, and I look back. And she's not looking back. I can see her through the mirror. She's crying, and I'm just like, what are we doing? Like I'm such a jerk. And, um, and I stood outside the restaurant forever just trying to figure out like what what is going on anyway i finally get back to the hotel she's already beat me there and she's like packing and like and i just sit there like i'm totally like non-emotional like i have i just don't have it in me i don't have the capacity to deal with this intensity of a relationship yet and 
and finally we all just settled down and we're just sitting there. And, and long story short, finished the weekend. I don't fly at home early. We finish it. But it's real touchy. It's real mm-hmm. like we're both sad. We're both like, oh, I don't know if it's going to work. The whole time she's been encouraging me. She knows this right's coming up. We're talking, but not really. Fly back home. Boom. Now we're back in Nashville. So that's what happened. We had a fight in Boston. And that's what we say in the lyric. That's when I lost it. Midnight in Boston yeah. is how we originally wrote the song. Bro. And on and on Heath's Heath did the work tape, and um and when and I still have it. And when he sings it, he goes, "That's when I lost it. Midnight in Boston," and um and I it might even be on his Instagram. I don't know if we changed it yet or not. But when we got back to Nashville, we we, we kind of went our own separate ways, Kristen and I. And a couple days later. That right was scheduled to happen. It was on um, June second, twenty twenty one, is when we met for that right. And, and that was the first time you wrote with either one of them, right? It was my first organized Nashville right okay. ever. Yeah. I'd yeah. never made an appointment to write a song. Yeah, I'd never even heard. Of, I didn't even know that was what you do. I just it sounds silly actually if you say it out loud, but um, to like a, for a creative person to be like at eleven, we're gonna. It's just weird. Yeah, and so. Uh, I pulled up, you know, Heath, I call Heath. I'm like, hey, man, I'm here. He's like, hey, buddy, my friend Jacob uh, is hungover. And he spent the night on the couch. He's going to write with us, so he's great. You're going to love him. Uh, we'll bring him in as a third. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Like, uh, as a third <laughs> what? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, sure, man, whatever. And um, <clears throat> they come down the stairs, and they're just hungover. And they're like, hey, uh, before we go right, man, there's this little place right down the we're going to get some breakfast burritos. burritos. And I am l- tore up. Now, I am furious. I'm like, one second. This is funny because I know Heath so well. And I'm like, <laughs> right, you I can myself. see him. We're like, going like, to go get burritos. Yeah, we're going to get some yeah. burritos. Like, And he lived in Germantown, whatever this little place was down the way. And he goes, we're just going to get some breakfast burritos. And I'm like, I'm here to write, man. Like, I'm here to work. And so I'm so alpha. I'm so type A. And it's like. And and for a creative to be that way, it's weird. Yeah. And it's hard for me sometimes too. And so I I'm like, one second, I call Kristen and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And I honestly, and I said this the other night at the listening room, I was like, there's a 70-30 chance she wasn't gonna answer. 70% not in my favor. But she answered. And I'm like, well, I can't believe she answered. But I'm like, hey. She goes, what are you doing? She goes, Are you you're right? I mean, she knew what day it was, she knew what time yeah. it was. She goes, You're at your right. I'm like, Yeah, I'm here. I was like, but like, man, these clowns, like, they're hungover. They want to go eat breakfast burritos. I'm like, this is just, I hate songwriters. Like, this is so stupid. <laughs> and I'm like, nobody works in this town. Like, that's exactly what I said. She goes, well, here's the deal. Number one, I have a, I have a meeting I have to go to. I have a real job. <laughs> and she goes, so I got to cut this short. She goes, number two, you've already booked, wiped off your day. So if you leave, there's you're not, you don't have anything else to do today. Number three, you love breakfast burritos. And I'm like, I do love a good burrito. (laughs) So I was like, all right, thanks. She goes, now go write a song. Go write something good. Because she had always been encouraging me this over that year of us dating. Like, also, like, hey, I know you want to be an artist, but I just think you're just putting yourself in such a tiny, like, you're limiting the way other people can see you. Because Mm. since she had gotten to know me, she knew that I wasn't like this, bad rocker 
tough guy, you know, I'm 6'4", 250 and tatted up. Everybody in me is like, oh, he's a, and I am tough if I need to be, but most of the time I'm really nice yeah. and I'm cool and I'm emotional. I'm Italian and like, and so, and I'm, I'm a creative. And so it's like, she's like, no one knows that about you. You need to be a songwriter so people can know this side of you and you don't have to sing every song. That's the great part about it. Like you can write it and a chick can sing it or a pop guy can sing it or a country. Like you can spread your wings out and all of these genres that you've been in in the past. You, you've been a Christian artist. You've been a rock artist. Now you're kind of trying to be a country artist. Like you can still be all those things, but you get to be you. And you get to be home. <laughs> she was like planning for the future, you know. Yeah. And so she had she had been encouraging me in that this whole year that we were dating. Fight, get to the right. I'm like, all right, fine. So I'm like, let's go eat breakfast burritos. Well, uh, that's the part I didn't know that songwriters like to do. It's like coffee shop time. It's like just get to talk, get to know each other. Heath and Jacob knew who I knew who I was from playing at Tin Roof on Demombre. Mm -hmm. I had a residency there every Friday night. I would play there. And they would always come out, and every and I just, I knew their faces, but I didn't know that that's who they were. Yeah. And but they knew who I was, and they knew that I could sing, and they thought we all thought we were writing for me, the artist that day, and so we had breakfast burritos. We started cutting up and talking, and I was like, "Oh, this is a cool thing. Okay, this is good. I see what we're doing here." Got back to the uh, Heath had like a little townhouse kind of thing, and we sat down and. Um, and I just kind of took over cause I, I don't know how rights go and, and I'm that guy usually. So I was like, Hey, so there's one thing I'm writing about today and it's just the only thing on my mind. And they're like, what is it? And I'm like, well, we got in a fight. Uh, Kristen and I got in a, a really bad argument. I still don't know if we're going to make it. And I was like, the problem is she's my best friend. That's the problem. Because like I'm at the point now where I'm either gonna like give her a ring or I'm gonna pawn her. Like I'm either just gonna like I'm gonna give her the rock or I'm really gonna have to break up with her. And it's such a hard place to be in. And I kind of said all of it. And I was like, you know, it's like just between a rock and a hard place. But a rock being the ring yeah. and the hard place of breaking up with her, which that whole second verse is yeah. exactly what that. And so he, so Jacob was kind of tinking around on like the A minor. CF and just kind of, or maybe I brought, I can't even remember. We just, it just starts happening. Mm. And, and I just like being a Christian and growing up in church, I have a tendency to kind of go back to just letting God be in the room and letting the spirit kind of move through you. And that's what I, that's how I write. That's how I create. I'm just like, like God's the creator of music not just Christian music. Like, he is the creator of lyrics, not just Christian lyrics. Like, you can say other things, and you can have a bad day, and you can you can be frail, and you can be human, and that's that's what we're supposed to be. So I just have this thing where I try to just, I kind of say, I always say, flow first, fix later. And, like, I just I just let it flow and get the template and the ideas, and then we fix it. But what I'm finding, for me anyway is if I get in a room with some dudes that don't interrupt or if I see that you're flowing and I don't interrupt, like it happens. It just yeah. happens. And like the next thing I know it's on paper and we're like, we're tweaking words instead of trying to come up with lines. Yeah. It's a big difference. Yeah. And that's what happened that day. I started just talking and telling them the story basically that I told you, like, I mean, they set the wine down. I got up, walked out, tears rolling down her face, walked out the, and Heath, 
Heath's first words out of his mouth were because Heath had also was kind of going through something in a relationship. Not, I mean, it's just different. You know, yeah. it's just something different. But he could relate. Yeah. And Heath's first words were, "We've been swinging and missing. It ain't broke yet." And he kind of paused, and I think Jacob probably went, "But damn, it needs fixing." And then I was like, "It's been a while since you." And we just boom, and here we go. And then Heath was like, she "I signed it," yeah. but that same. But yeah. you can, and I shaved my arm so you can feel. But like, it was just like we've been talking about forever since we've been to get something about a ring. I mean, it just bum ba dum ba bum. Oh, it, and then rock in a hard place, red wine and mistakes, tears rolling down your face as I walk. Like just literally what happened, and then we kind of just stopped, and like you really can't <laughs> yeah. feel it. But like then we just stopped, and. And I always say that. I'm surprised I haven't said it now, but it was like, I always am like, for the record, I always say that. And and I was just like, you know, for the record, like breaking up with her would be harder than staying with her. Like I would rather, it would be harder to break up with her than it would be to just work it out. And mm. here goes the wordsmiths. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's like for the record, throwing in the towel would take some effort. So I'd rather ride it out for better weather. And I remember I'd rather ride it out for better weather. And I remember us just sitting there and Jacob going, together. <laughs> and he was like, well, that's the second verse. And like we were just, it was done. It was like, I mean, faster than we could think. It mm. just, whew. and it's like everything led to that. 40 minutes. And that, I mean, I mean, 40 minutes of walking up the stairs, getting the guitars out. No, like, no one rebuttaled the idea. No one, nobody did the old switch the line. Like, I mean, nobody interrupted anything. And that was my first experience. Wow. And, and I was like, I, this is amazing. Like, this is pretty cool. So we left that day and, and I, I called Chris and I go, well, I have a song. And she goes, I can't wait to hear it. And she about lost it, like, mm. in an angry. <laughs> She's like, oh. I can't believe you wrote about that after <laughs> all this stuff. Like, you could write about anything. And I'm like, but that's the one thing. And that's who I am. Like, but that is the one thing. Yeah. That's on my mind. And um, and she was like, but you say Boston and now everyone's going to know. Like, her family. I'm like, well, I didn't say your name. And no one, I don't even know if we're going to be dating tomorrow. So, no one's ever going to know it's about you. Like, calm down, you know. But she was just so... Now they will. Yeah, now they will. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but and she's okay with it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and she's okay with it because, like, also in her life, being transparent never really got her anywhere. Mm. And we're all learning that when you surround yourself with the right people and you are transparent and you let people see you and then they love you, like that's a whole different way to live. Mm. And that's kind of yeah. where we're at now. It's just like we're in this place, like we're surrounded by great people, but we've created those boundaries. And that's another thing. Like it really started changing in my music career when when I stopped, and I'm just gonna say it, but like when I made my gift worth more than whatever that is, worth more than tips, worth more than like for me. Personally, I hated the whole singing in clubs for four hours. Mm -hmm. I, I hated it. I know a lot of people that love it, and I know a lot of people like they're living their dream. So I'm not degrading it by any means. Uh, it takes a lot mm -hmm. to do that every night, sometimes two, three shows a day, three, four, five shows a week. Like, I don't know how they do it. 
and God bless them because I could barely do it. And I did it for six years. Yeah. I just trying to figure out what, trying to make my sound. And it was the way to keep a band and practice. Yep. And, and it, I, I get it, but like, holy night, man. Like, but the minute I was like, man, I don't care if I never do this again, I'm not doing X. And the minute that I started doing that, no matter what, no matter where I, what I do with music, I'm not doing that. And then no matter what, I'm not going to be around people like that. No matter what, I'm not going to be a person like this. Like the minute I started getting myself in a line mm. with what's going on, like Rick Rubin says it best, the universe is always creating. You can either choose to be in it or not. Either way, it is. <laughs> it's so like it's. There's just some undeniables in sure, life. Yeah. There's just some undeniables. And if... You can sit around and dance around them, or you can sit around and be a part of it. Because it is going to be going along long before you got here and long after you leave. So you can either do the dance or not do the dance. doesn't matter. But I just had to get myself out of the way. And Kristen tells me that all the time. If you would just get out of your way, you would be so successful. She says it all the time. And I'm learning, though. But she's right. Like, my ego, and that's to get to the song that I wrote with the Warren brothers. It was our first write and it's called all downhill from here, but it was just a song about ego check. Yeah. And they were the same way they got in there. They didn't say a word cause they're brothers. They've been doing it forever. They didn't say a word. They just started playing and humming and singing. Then, and I just started like, he said a line, I said a line. It was just like this mm. magic, magic. And you can't, you live for that. Like yeah. that's the cool thing that I wish and I, and I might even start doing this now, but I might start recording these sessions because it's just like that stuff. People never, you can't feel it, but you don't even, you can't even see it. You never yeah. know. Like you just, you know, I appreciate you doing these like stories behind the songs because the story is my favorite part. Like I wish people would have like spy cams on tour buses and like the back set. I don't care what a show looks like. I know what a show looks like. Yeah. What did it, what did you do all the way there? You yeah. know, like what did you have for dinner? Like what was what were the jokes at the table? Like I want to know the details. Yeah. It of, brings you close and personal. It's yeah. Like, yeah. The things that you don't you don't get to see all the time. Yeah. yeah. That make it great. Yeah. Like yeah. it's great. We know that's why we pay to go see it. What made it great? And yeah. how can I use that in my life? And how can I you know, can I take from something and learn from something, and and then can I hand it off to something, someone else, like yeah. mentor being mentored kind of thing. So, hopefully, I I didn't get off the track there too much, but that's that's taking you into that writer's room with Heath and Jacob. You know, the one thing I will say, like like, and I think I did say this already, but like, no one threw out any other ideas. No one offered mm -hmm. any. No one got in the way. Like, and we didn't beat the song to death for three days after yeah it was like that's it we recorded the work tape and within 15 minutes of heath posting it on his instagram like i posted it on mine you know 50 or 60 people like it whatever he did the same thing 50 or 60 people like it whatever but the one guy who did like it was austin sean mm -hmm. and they they were sitting in their studio and it's another thing about just everything lining up yeah. like they're working they're frustrated we're working. We're frustrated. We're all looking. Yeah. They were in their studio looking like, man, we need a song. Scrolling through Instagram, just trying to find it somewhere. He knows Heath. Oh, let's see what Heath, let's see what Heath wrote today. He's a good writer in town. You know, and that's another thing that I want to speak to Heath and Jacob about and give them some credit. While I had been getting my street cred 
playing and singing and doing shows, they had massive street cred in the yeah. writer's circles. And they, they've been doing listening room. I mean, golly, yeah. I don't even know you've known those guys forever. Yeah. But they were, they were working the whole time. They were waiting also. And I think that's very important. Instead of whining in the waiting, they were working in the waiting. I was working in the waiting. And Bailey and Austin working, but they're waiting. And they're, they got dreams and they got things. And then they just saw that song. And Austin texted Heath immediately. I was like, I got to have that song. And, and then Heath was like, Man, I don't know. I think that's Jet's song. They had already sang it at the listening room a couple times introducing it as my song yeah. and like hey don't worry everybody they made it they're here tonight you know it's yeah. like, but it's a song about a, but it's not about a breakup or a get together it's just about the place in the middle and i think that's why so many people relate and when we wrote that i had i didn't know i never thought about anyone relating to it mm. i never thought about um me singing it and more than two thousand people knowing about it like I never thought about the way that we wrote it in like a nursery rhyme kind of sound. That little, like I have a seven-year-old daughter that she teaches it to all of her friends at school. Like all her little first grader friends love that song. But they just like the da-da-da-na-na. It's yeah. just melodic. You're like, But I didn't, nobody thought about any of that. We just let it. It just happened. And that that's really like that writer's room. Like that's what it was. It was just three dudes allowing something to happen bigger than themselves and and not getting in the way and not questioning it and just letting it come out man like it was it was a great experience it really was man i love that yeah such a great story thank yeah. you thank such you a for sharing story. it no it's, <laughs> it's uh, those, know the are, points, but. those are the good things though man it's like you know there's there's other songs that i've sat down with people and you know and they're still great stories right sure. But it's like, oh, yeah, like this was going on, this was going on, and this happened. Yeah. You know, there's not like the the beef of that, of like being in Boston, yeah. having that fight, like walking yeah. out. Like, I mean, it just, it it brings that song to another level. And, yeah. and I can't wait for everybody to hear this episode because Same. a song that they love so much already, yeah. now they're going to love even more because because they can relate even closer to it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's awesome. It's funny, like... When all the TikTok things started happening with Bailey, and I'm so thankful for Bailey because he also had been putting in all this work, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like where nobody takes social media serious, but it's very serious. It's a lot of work, mm-hmm. and it's it seems like a quick rise for Bailey, but there was a lot of work, and he had a fan base that I didn't have, and he had people listening to him that I didn't have. Like, and thank God for him. I'm so thankful. But I knew the song was going to be big when people started breaking down the second verse and they were like, guys, y'all are missing it. Like this second verse, like when they were really paying attention, I was like, Oh man, I think this is going to be a, like a, yeah. like a light, like a 20 year song, like a lifelong song for people. And, yeah. and I hope it is. And I hope it encourages people to stick in there or, Cut it, man, because you're if you're dying on the vine, cut it. But if you're if you need to stick it out and do be the be the bigger person and you know, where I needed to be, like just own it. Yeah. And move on and hopefully you're with a person that loves you unconditionally. But anyway, but that that that's when I knew the song was gonna be bananas is when people started really dissecting it. So I can't wait for the dissectors to hear the really stripped out. Yeah. Right. It'll be sick. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for sitting down with me and uh, and you. sharing that. I can't wait to uh, have a part two at some point. Oh my gosh! And like, just keep talking about what you and Warren Brothers do together and Let's everything else. But 
Before we wrap up, uh, I always like to end with the same question. So uh, knowing what you know now and being in the room and, and just getting this pub deal and all that and everything kind of happening. Yeah. Um, if you go back to eight-year-old Jet, mm-hmm. what advice do you give yourself today? Um, honest to God, the, the advice that I would give myself, I, rem- I know where I was when I was eight, so that's funny that you said that. Um, my advice to Jet at that age would be like, don't listen to anybody except you're like, you know, you're right. That would be my advice. You're mm-hmm. right. You're right. No one, like, don't be distracted. Even if it, your mom doesn't get it or don't impress anybody, like, just do what you know to do because you're right. That's mm-hmm. the advice that I would give him. Now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I spent so many years, man, like, like, we're only going to support you if you play Christian music. Well, I was a Christian, so like, what does it matter? I'm going to play music anyway. Might as well play Christian music. But I, that's not, you know, and that door opened, but it also quickly shut. Mm-hmm. And um, you can be who you are wherever you are. Like, it doesn't matter. And so, but that's that's the advice I would give myself. And even in the mornings when I wake up, I still give myself, like, hey, you're right. You know what you're doing. And I don't mean you're right like you know everything. I mean sure, that yeah, internal yeah. deep yeah. gut feeling that it's that fire's never going to go out until you die. You're right. Follow it. That's what I mean. Yeah. At all, like follow it, and uh, you know it's okay. To, like, everybody's like, don't have plan B. Like, have plan B. Like, be don't be lazy. Like, don't be poor if you can make money. Go make money, but follow your dream. Like, go do it. You're right. Even when people don't get you, don't be discouraged. It just don't let the business get in the way because half half of that doesn't even know what's going on. They're yeah. still trying to figure it out. Yeah. And so it's like, it's fine. I'm not mad about it, but like I had, I was for a long time, but it's because my heart wasn't right. But like, man, if I could tell that kid, anything is like hanging there, buddy, you're right. Like mm-hmm. it's gonna, you're going to be fine. I love it. Yeah. Dude, I, thank I, you so much. I man. appreciate you, man. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Yeah. I've watched other podcasts and and I've, I've watched these shows and i'm just like oh man that'd be so cool to get to do yeah so thank well, you thanks, so thanks much. for this being your first one heck man. Yeah, yeah man anytime all right well this is chris blair with another episode of stories behind the songs with jet harvey writer of rocking a hard place for bailey zimmerman thanks for listening and we will see you next time This has been an episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information after the show, head over to chrisblair.com. That's where you can find information on these episodes, trailer notes, video links, all kinds of great stuff. Also, make sure to leave us a great rating on iTunes. Like and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. I really hope that you think this show is awesome and we really appreciate the love and support. I promise to keep gathering great content and continuing to sit down with more amazing songwriters and artists as we grow. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for the support. We'll see you next time.